G'day Noobers, welcome to the Noobsphere Podcast. If you don't know, you're an Uber because you listen to the Noobsphere Podcast and you're clearly a frother that just loves this spearfishing lifestyle. My name is Isaac or Shrek, I'm the host of this sucker. I get to interview spearfishing legends from around the world all the time. Today, it's a little bit off the beaten track. It's We're, we're interviewing one of the founders of a, uh, a, a tech company, uh, particularly a hardware tech company, in our space. This is a, a retake on the freediving watch. Um, if you like monitoring your surface interval to make sure that you are spending enough time up there and um, you like to keep track of your dives, a dive watch is probably on your list or has been on your list or you've already got one for a long, long time. Today, we're looking at the Dive Bud. Uh, you can check it out at divebud.com.au. This is not a paid... Um, show or anything like that. These guys are just cool. They reached out to me, Land, Landell uh, reached out to me and uh, we got we got into it and um, I got to play devil's advocate a bit with this tech. We have a, a good lively discussion and I think um, I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get there, I've got some, uh, some awesome shout outs, a bunch of wicked um, things have been happening around the, the community. First of all, the Coffs Blue Water Comp last weekend went off with an absolute bang. Um, I think they had 70-something competitors, super blue water, lots of awesome fish were weighed, wahoo, um, Spanish, yellowtail, all sorts, cobia. I believe a 14 or 15-year-old took a cobia. It was really cool comp, really well run. Um, those guys are doing an awesome thing down there. If you can get along next year, I am really, really going to work my butt off to try and get down there and do it next year. So Coffs Blue Water Comp, follow those guys, um, the, the Coffs Harbour Blue Water uh, crew on Instagram that you that should get it or otherwise just Tommy does. Uh, anyway, let's get into a couple of voice messages. Um, first of all, from a brand new patron, and then second of all, from a from a, a, a veteran patron. Both of them with some uh, some cool bits and pieces in their uh, voice messages. First up, we've got Nicholas and then Reese. Have a listen. Hey Shrek, how are you? I hope you're doing good. I just wanted to say a huge thank you to you and the podcast and everything you do with it. I just came back from a dive trip on which I managed to land my first Wahoo. I had told myself that if I'd actually land a Wahoo, I'd become a Patreon listener. So I just signed up to your Patreon. Uh, to give you a little bit of background information, I live in Germany. I am German and um, I don't really have any spearfishing mentors or people I can uh, reach out to to gather information on how to do things, how to dive, how to hunt, and the podcast has played a very big role in my development as a spearfisher. Um, my interest in spearfishing was kindled by my dad. We used to live in New Zealand when I was a kid, and he used to do it there for a little bit and was very intrigued by it. But when we moved back to Germany, it stopped, and I picked up spearfishing in my early 20s again, shot a few fish here and there on holidays, but Nothing, nothing major, no proper spearfishing, so to speak. And then coming across the podcast that really kind of uh, gave me a lot more initiative to work on my dive technique, hunting technique, gear setup, all these things. And the information you provided helped a, a lot with that. Um, my dive buddy and I on this trip, we dove from shore. We didn't have a boat or a guide or anybody we could ask. And we'd never done any blue water hunting. So it was really cool to put the um, theoretical knowledge I had gathered from the podcast and other, other areas too, but mainly from the podcast 
into action when these Wahoo came out of the blue. I'm not sure uh, which of your guests had put that tip out there where you don't swim directly at the Wahoo, but you swim towards a point that's in front of them to kind of like make them give you a bit of a chase to some potential bait that may be there. And that actually worked. And yeah, it was super cool to see how these things actually work when you put them into practice, uh, managed to land a Wahoo. My buddy uh, managed to land two on this trip and yeah, huge thank you for, uh, inspiring me to do this. The podcast also gave me the courage to attempt it because living in Germany, you don't really get a lot of, um, tries at spearfishing. And when you do, everything has to work and be, be just right. And the podcast really helps a lot with that. Hope you keep doing what you're doing and can't wait for the next episode. Cheers. Hey Shrek, how you going? It's uh, Reese here from Sunny Coast Skin Divers. I uh, was just listening to your story about over in WA where you had your gun loaded and you left it over the back of the boat and uh, it ended up going really badly. And I just wanted to share a story about something that happened to me that totally turned me off having a loaded gun in the boat for the rest of my life. And unfortunately, I am just one of those people that has to have something really dumb happen to them before you just stop doing dumb stuff. So I used to be like pretty religious about if we're going to do a drift, just keep your gun loaded, put it in the back of the boat facing away from everyone else and it's sweet. And one time I was out diving, I went and picked up this fairly new diver and he still had his gun loaded and I said, nah, it's all right, just put it up the back and just don't point it at anyone, just have it pointing backwards. Anyways, he's hopped in and he hasn't coiled up his float line and he hasn't pulled it in and... It's just drifted around the back of the boat and it's got stuck in the prop and I didn't notice and I've gone to take off. I think there was a wave coming and the prop has actually caught the float line and it's pulled the gun and it's pulled it so hard that it actually pulled the back of the handle off the gun um, and basically broke the gun, pulled the handle off and that made the gun fire and at the same time the gun actually fired... Uh, it actually like turned around and fired and it fired through the front of my boat through the, I've got this like webbing stuff. It's like a sprat, uh, splash guard and basically the shaft shot through that and I've still got a hole in that splash guard. But yeah, after that, I just thought, nah, I'm, this is stupid. I need to just, every time I get in the boat for the sake of 30 seconds of loading and unloading, just keep my gun uh, unloaded when I hop in. And I also always try and put my rubber spear protector on the tip of it as well, just in case you poke somebody. Anyways, loving the podcast. Cheers, Shrek. Bye. Guys, um, if you ever want to leave yourself a voice message, go to noobspiro.com, head up into the menu, and you'll see a Nooba story section. You can leave me a voice message, share a story, just like Nicholas or Reese did there. And uh, I love it. Lessons learned, particularly like Reese's one there. Like, holy moly, just... Um, yeah, no load of guns in the boats, guys. Like, uh, it's an it's an easy one to say, and uh, I mean, but hey, like, it's a good like story to illustrate there the importance of it. And other news, um, awesome story has uh, an awesome stories come about. Laurie and Fred, originally from Scotland and the Maritimes, respectively, have made a brand new freedive spearfishing shop in British Columbia. It's east to west. 
these guys are super cool. I'm looking forward to getting them on the show, hopefully, because they've, they've embarked upon this brave new adventure to start a spearfishing shop up there and uh, in British, British Columbia. So super cool. Go and visit them. It's at 839 Fiskard Street in Victoria, British Columbia. They're open Tuesday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Get in there. Get amongst it. I love supporting um, Spiro businesses, niche creators and innovators and people that run shops and um, and help drive this thriving um, spearfishing community that's uh, that's gone global. It's gone global, baby. And uh, in other news, a, a quick review from the podcast from uh, Adventure Levi. He says, exceptional, must listen for all sp- Spiros, five stars. Massive thanks to Shrek. What an absolute amazing podcast full of knowledge, great tips and entertaining. Has expedited my spearfishing journey and saved me years of mistakes, I'm certain. 10 out of 10, he says. Well done. Cheers for that, Adventure Levi. Love it, mate. That's really kind. And uh, last bit of news before we get into this interview with the, the Dive Bud crew. We've got a brand new spearfishing club. Timothy sent me an email. He's the president of the NJ Jetty Master Spearfishing Club. He says, uh, I'm writing to introduce you to our local non-profit freediving and spearfishing club, New Jersey Jetty Master Spearfishing, and to request request your support in our efforts to promote our local marine environment and club. So up there in New Jersey, they've got a, a vibrant um, club. It's going to be hooked up in today's show notes. If you go to noobspiro.com forward slash divebud, D-I-V-E-B-U-D, I'm going to hook up the New Jersey Jetty Master Spearfishing Club. Check them out, guys, and uh, join a club. If you're not in a club already, um, please find one. Get amongst it. They they do awesome things in our community, and um, it's a great place to meet dive buddies and jump in comps for the first time if you haven't done it and and, uh, and have a ball doing it. Hey, let's get into it. Dive butt. Here we go. Neptonics.com source the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Jerry says, if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it, and dive it. Neptonics is the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing essentials. Neptonics is solid gear that works, and you'll know it's true when you pull the trigger on a Neptonics mech. On every snap of a Neptonics power band and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. Buy gear you can depend on at neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. Adreno.com.au, the home of recipes, blogs, videos, equipment reviews, and an obnoxiously large range of spearfishing equipment for frothers like you. Not only that, but spearfishing trips and courses, courses and trips that I sometimes get to go on. Check them out at adreno.com.au. It's a Spiro's best friend. Check them out, and if you want to buy gear, pump in the code NOOBSPIRO to save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can use that online, in-store. Use the code NOOBSPIRO, save some cash, and support the NOOBSPIRO podcast. Shop with adreno.com.au. I just love a functional and simple spear gun that I can trust when I pull the trigger. Kill shot spear guns utilize the finest of kiln dried Burmese teak. Kill shot spear guns also combine American made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish. Get $30 off any kill shot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American made performance. Spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. I'm really sorry for this terrible accent. Brought to you by Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. G'day, guys. Today we're back at the New Spirit Podcast. I've got the uh, the team from Dive Bud, um, and I'm really looking forward to picking their brains. I love innovation. I like seeing new stuff happen. I love 
hearing about niche creators in our space. And so I like to excite, you know, to um, to celebrate their stories and, and, and get people excited about it, get you guys listening and finding out about it. So these guys are the unique creators of something called Dive Bud. And I believe you guys crowdfunded it as well. Is that right? Bootstrapped it, really. Bootstrapped. So just okay. starting, yeah. So our two founders, you know, avid freedivers, also developers, um, those two things can exist inside one person. Mm. And so we've got Alexi who's um, here with us. He's one of the founders. Another guy, David, um, they developed it. It's just off the back of just seeing an, a need for it really and a niche. Awesome. So loving the sport, knowing the development side and, and filling a market gap, they just bootstrapped it, which just means that they paid for everything themselves until there was sales to sort of pay them back. And then hopefully get some um, some early round investment, I guess, and, uh, and, and, and scale it. Is that kind of the, the vision? Could be. I don't know, we'll maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you want yeah. the right partners if you do take investors on, don't you? People. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think investment's a big deal. I think for now it's it's such a niche product, as you said. Like we've we've done some really specialist features for um spearfishers and freedivers, underwater photographers. Um, so that's not generally a massive, massive market. Not really like, you know, Alexi's day job at Google. So <laughs> investment cool. might be a little way off. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. We're all hiding holding down day jobs while we while we commit to our side hustles and um, sometimes it's awkward when they find out about our side hustles. At least with Google, they're pretty open to people doing that, I, I believe. Is that correct, Alexi? Yeah. So basically you can uh, announce upfront what kind of things you want to sort of hold for your ownership and then, yeah, Google's pretty lean for that. Yeah. Okay, That's cool. The, Main main thing should be is that you know it doesn't intersect with the main Google business, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no conflict of interests, yeah, which is not in this case. Mm-hmm. Cool. Plus, you're on a spear fishing podcast, and you just said Google like three times, so it's free advertising for them. Oh, nice! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, everyone, everyone says Google like it's uh, it's a common it's a common name. I'll have to do a transcription though, so I, I show it better in the the algorithm now in the search algorithm. But um, <laughs> oh, good. So you're an avid freediver, Alexi. Tell me about that. Where where did that start? And um, I'd love to hear about the idea for Diebard how you sort of got there, but where you come from and how it's all culminated in this 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 sure. new product. Yeah, so I guess I started like the swimming and, and diving back in, in Russia, but but then I moved like to Australia like when I was twenty eight. And um there I just learned how to free dive, you know, and I was a really keen free diver. So for example, I played uh, in a mature league in soccer, right, in for, for local team in Australia, and then I played for three years, never scored. But then, like, I started the course, and then six months later, I won lo- local competition in free diving straight away. So I was like, oh, maybe it's it's a God gives me a sign, you know, like that that I should be doing that more. So, and then in 2017, I think. Um, I believe I became an instructor and so instructor freediver. So I started teaching in Sydney. And but 
but before that, so the story goes that I, when I was doing Aida four course, I got some DCS, pretty pretty bad like CC uh, decompression sickness, and so I started thinking, you know, what could could prevent me from you know having it? Right, it's pretty pretty bad condition. And then I heard a couple of stories from other free divers, like very good free divers who like went on a cloudy day, they went diving in the ocean, went to 70 meters, it was super dark. On the way up, they felt some narcosis and the time passing is slightly different when you're narked, right? And so they they basically kind of lost track like you you keep moving but you don't know if you're actually moving right so there's no kind of feedback you can't see much and so we start thinking uh like what can we do for for divers to give them feedback like instant instead of like having feedback at uh at the surface right so and so for those kinds of reasons we start we developed dive but so it took us quite a time like maybe five years to actually get the first like working prototype and then <laughs> test it, yeah. I'm always impressed by innovators like and people that bootstrap like yourself. Like you've you've had to go through all the hard knocks. I mean, what was your background, your technical background, in order to even be able to build a prototype? Mm. So yeah, I was mostly like software engineer most of my life, right? I was always curious about like using things like Raspberry Pi and some small electronic devices, but not really good at this right and so that's where david came into play and he was like he was hardware engineer for 10 years um and he really helped to like run this up you know like make make this a product yeah wow because like my first prototype was really like a, a plastic bag right and a bunch of wires and, and different <laughs> circuits inside i can imagine yeah and then like after maybe three dives it got flooded, <laughs> so it's so funny. Like, <laughs> it's still working straight away. So yeah, that was not perfect. I'd yeah. imagine, I'd imagine a, a plastic bag wouldn't be very resilient when you're putting it under <laughs> four or five atmospheres of pressure. <laughs> right. Well, it depends actually. So like, if it's a good plastic bag, right? It has the zippers, like or double zippers. It's actually you can place like a your phone there and we did that too like diving to 10 meters it will still survive very well okay but uh yeah you need to learn what kind of plastic bag to use and yeah <laughs> it's yeah. complicated sounds like a learning a learning curve for sure oh it's a lot yeah so i guess partially for me this project was a lot of learning yeah so david brought the hardware expertise you brought the concept and then the two of you sort of yeah. Yeah. Works together. And the software. Mm. Oh, cool. Yeah. And Landau, tell me about where you come on the scene and 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 your involvement. Um, I used to work with David back at a sports technology company. So we used to um, work together on on sports software. It was called Sports Code at the time. Um, it was used by, I mean, the majority of team sports in the world. I think we had twenty nine of the thirty NBA teams. And wow. 18 out of 18 AFL teams, you know, it was a professional elite um, sport. So we worked together back then and we we lost touch for a long time, but um, our ex-CEO kind of put us back in touch because I've, I've been working on a project for um, chronic pain 
And he said, you've got to call David and see what he's up to. And once David told me about what he was working on, um, we just uh, I felt, I was like, okay, well, I, I need to help you with this and you've got to take me out free diving because I need to, I need to have this experience for myself and, and learn what it's all about. So I was pretty hooked from that first kind of meeting really. Mm. Um, the product itself is pretty impressive and I just thought, oh, I'll just want to help the guys in whatever way I can. Mm. Yeah, cool. And I mean, the guys are probably ready by then. You, you've, um, they've spent a hell of a lot of time iterating and creating this kind of this version of it and um, you want to sort of scale and build a team so you can start getting the message out to the world and start um, getting it in people's hands and on people's heads, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. So you see we are good engineers but we're not really good at like marketing and sales. So like uh, Lindell helps us a lot with this. So Perfect. She really took it to the next sort of level, yeah, just sure and she's got magic pr skills because she reached out to me <laughs> clearly <laughs> good stuff good stuff well i love making it happen like i said i love niche innovators like i respect the journey to get a product to market you know having done a few things of my own like i really respect other people that sort of just have a crack and i um so i always have a soft spot for innovators and um and and for anyone interested like this is not an affiliate show i'm not selling you guys anything um, these guys, I thought purely they had a really cool product and I wanted to sh- be able to share their story. So if you are interested, by all means go and do it. We don't have any commercial interest in this podcast. I, sometimes I feel like I have a need to declare that. So um, all right, so you, you've iterated through this product. You've got it to a form that is usable for your average sort of freediver. Um, is that mm-hmm. kind of your biggest user group? You're You're targeting really like – Competitive freedivers, is that your your ideal target customer or has it got broader applications? Um, so, I think the early adopters are all of the competitive freedivers, um, but I think it's broader than that. I think, you know, that we've got some, some specific features built in for spearfishers and um, for underwater photographers and even for recreational freedivers who... I mean, even from my first go, I was pretty hooked on trying to get deeper and have better hang time and that's what this device kind of tells you. So, And also, I guess, for anyone who's getting into the sport and wants to do it a bit safer, so, you know, dive by measures your surface intervals, mm. lets you know when you can go down again. So, yeah, they're competitive freedivers for sure and they're really, they're really good at being early adopters. Um, can I share that we... We got a, a review today from Amber Burke. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, she's a local girl and and very um, competitive on the world stage, and and she reps Australia pretty hard. To tell us what um, Amber had to say. Oh, she loves it. She absolutely loves it. She, I called her up because I'm I'm not scared of picking up the phone, as you know, Shrek, <laughs> yep. reaching out to people, and she just said like, "This is the perfect thing. It sits on my." Um, mask and I've lost a few dive watches because I tuck them up into my hood but this is actually designed for what I need it to do um so she sent us the review and a couple of photos and videos of her using it and I mean for innovators and startups like that just makes your day because you've got someone who's absolutely an expert in their field and they love your product so yeah um it was a good day today (laughs) I remember when I went to do, I think my advanced freediving, and, and um, 
now I've gone through to instructor as well, but I remember I'd never even worn a dive watch. I'd been spearfishing for probably oh, probably 10 years before I did um, a serious freediving course. And I remember the instructor telling me, hey, just put the watch in your head, in your, in your hood, because you can hear the sounds a lot better. If it's on your wrist, you can't really hear it when you've got a, particularly when you've got a neoprene hood on. And so I, I distinctly remember doing that. And so when I saw your guy, the concept to your idea, I was like, oh, sweet, we're already doing that. We're just doing it with the wrong device anyway. So they're kind of, they've got already got a natural sort of uh, market, product market fit. Like they, they know that there's, there are people who already have this need. But yeah, I think that's cool. Um, I've got a bunch of devil's advocate questions for me, but um, Alexi, for, have you got much experience with spearfishing? Yeah, uh, a bit, I would say. So we would spearfish all around the Sydney with, with my crew, who I trained with. It's Carl, Manny. Uh, actually, the dive bot idea came from Manny because, like, he he was the the dude who said, like, you know, we need something that that is gives us like instant feedback, especially on ascent and surface intervals. Not so, like when you when you spear fishing. Sorry. sorry, it's not Emmanuel Bovo, was it? No, oh. uh, Manny Dos Santos. Oh, yeah. okay, sorry, <laughs> different one, but. Um, <clears throat> So when you're spearfishing, right, mm. you you really like here now, like it's it's a hunt. You you're really enjoying the scenery. You're looking for fish. You you're spending time to search for the right spot, the right angle to approach, and everything, right? So there's no time really to like oh look at your watch, especially with your hands occupied, right? Mm. And um, there are a few things in dive bar that can help spearfishers, for example, like. We can set a maximum depth and it will like be very prominently like saying to you like you are beyond your limit like go back you know and then second part which I personally like a lot is like is surface intervals because like when I spearfish like this yeah this is no time for me like to look at my watch and say oh okay I need to calculate okay I've been to twenty five meters I need to like you know divide multiply all of this stuff like it's it's too much in your head. So like, yeah, staying and just hearing that sound, like that says to you, Hey, you know, it's time to, it's time for you to go again if you want to. Yeah. That's important. I think. Yeah. I like it. Um, we're probably at risk of some behavioral science. though, like a Pavlovian type response. If you are repeatedly waiting for a tone or a chime or whatever the audible mm. alarm is, you're probably at risk of starting to train yourself to, respond to the dinner bell so to speak <laughs> to take right it. but the, the this is just an interface to information right like yeah you can calculate it in your head or you can go by the field but um there are like a lot of cases of dcs for example that happen to spearfishers because like they just here now they they in this game they, you know what i mean so <clears throat> their mind is occupied by getting the fish and not really watching the safety stops and stuff. Why do you think a lot of spearfishers um, experience shallow water blackout? Well, not, let's not say a lot. Let's just say the handful that do and then they drown. Do you have any theories as to why? Like I'm not saying it's common. I don't think it's common, but it is. it happens more often than most of us would like. Um, mm. Having said that, I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in, you know, autonomy 
and you know we're all responsible adults and we make our own decisions and stuff happens. But having said that, do you have any theories or beliefs as to why um, this can open can happen mm. occasionally? To yes, I have an opinion, but this is just an opinion, you know. So like, it's not scientifically proven or anything like that. So like, I've heard a few stories, like friends of friends, you know, got drowned or like almost died, you know. And most of the cases, people just get greedy. They just, they just don't follow kind of, or maybe they don't know any rules. Like people who are just getting started with spear fishing, but for example, very good athletes, right? For example, there's a person who was a good swimmer the whole life, like, and by 25, he got a gun, spear fishing gun, went for spear fishing. He, he was so good, like he was trying to impress his friends and stuff. And then on the last day of diving, he drowned. You know, like it's just those kind of stories that's what I've heard. And so like my opinion on that is, yeah, it's really like we kind of lack a little bit of education on like what can happen to you, right? What should you watch for? What mm-hmm. kind of like, almost like, what should you feel when you go down, right? Like how, like how well should you feel, you know, before you go down, that, that kind of thing. So, yeah. So, and, and of course, free diving, just general free diving courses help a lot. Like uh, maybe podcasts like this, like yours, uh, Shrek, like help a lot. I think that they just educate people who just don't want or don't, don't have time to do the course. Yeah. You identified a few things there, I think. And I, I, I can, um, I, I can see you've thought about it quite deeply too. Like, Personality types, um, young, um, competent people, um, perhaps who lack a bit of training. The most at-risk group, I think, are probably people that have been spearfishing for two to three years, have developed a level of competence, mm. but um, are almost dangerously competent. They, they have a, a slightly distorted view of what their capabilities are and they are not accounting for the risks. And they fail exactly. to they mm. fail to mitigate those risks. Hey, um, we, I'm go, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a rabbit, at Warren, just with a with, an, with another question, and then I want to come back and play a little bit of devil's advocate about this. Have you heard of uh, Terry Masters' free dive recovery vest? Mm. And there's a is it the one that's like like sort of automatically inflates? Yeah. Correct, correct. And there's a similar product that's coming on the market now. Have you looked at any form of integration with what you're doing? Because I mean, I'd imagine like your interface probably provides really good information that you could automate to an extent. Like where, you know, if you're down for, you know, three minutes, say, right, and you're spearfishing, it's it's mm-hmm. too long. And yeah. and it's so, you know, it may automatically trigger a, a, an inflation the only issue being with that is sometimes we're in caves. I mean, I'd, I'd hope that someone's not in a yeah. cave at the end of a three-minute free dive while they're spearfishing. But, you know, like, I mean, you could think about this stuff on a deep level and I, I'm just thinking of a potential happy marriage there with another product that could directly mm. benefit Spiros. Yeah, this, this is a very interesting idea. Yeah, we didn't thought about that mm. so far. But, yeah, but the... You see, like, you also clearly thought about this very deeply, kind of like, 
what if you, what if I caught by something, right? And I need another second to un, untangle or something, you know? So that thing, if it inflate automatically, then you kind of caught. That's it. Like it's yeah. really hard to to do anything once that force is pulling you up, right? Like, um, but at the same time, if you are not anticipating anything like that, maybe you, I don't know, some reason got caught into. I don't know, the school of fish and it just forgot about time. Maybe that would be, yeah. Mm. First is like some sound that says, hey, mm. you know, you need to come back. And then second thing is like, okay, you're beyond your limit. We will help you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't normally talk about depths when I talk about the spearfishing podcast because I, I honestly think that some of the performance aspects to freediving um, don't really have much of a place in spearfishing. And I discourage people from really talking about their numbers and what they do because I think for most of us, we don't want to compare ourselves to others. Freedivers are better at this than Spiros in some ways. You guys are used to knowing what your numbers are and, you know, like it's more of a friendly culture and you're only really competing against yourself. However, a lot of Spiros measure themselves against the person they see on YouTube. So anyway, having said that, right, that's my sort of disclaimer. Um, When I was doing my uh, dive control – no, sorry, I was doing – my Paddy Master Scuba Diver Trainer qualification. I spent a month in Tonga and uh, we were diving these coral atolls and they had these huge drop-offs to 60, 100 metres and uh, the water was crystal clear and super warm and when I'd finished with my requirements, I just headed out and would go freediving. But there were a couple of times there where I, like one time I was down at like 90 feet and I hadn't had any training and... Um, I only knew that because I swam up to a person who was still on scuba and looked at their depth gauge and and I knew that. And and I think sometimes in very clear, very clean water, a lot of Spiros um, get locked on a target or locked in a, in a game like where you have these games with fish and sometimes we just get lost in the moment. And so I can see a, a, a value proposition for Spiros with an audible alarm that says, hey, you've been down, you know, this long or you're at this depth so i can clearly yeah. see a big utility in that and and i don't see that as interfering with because a lot of spearfishing is about getting back to nature you know like getting right back mm. to basics and almost pulling technology out of the experience so a little bit of devil's advocate but i i can see a utility case there what do you think about for people like that that want to get back to nature we we really like getting rid of technology and just jumping in keeping it as simple as we can um, how do you speak to those people about about dive bud? Right. Oh, can I answer that one? Sure. Sorry, Landa. We we, we kind of <laughs> got we kind of got lost there. Sorry about that. No, because I'm I'm I am a technologist. Like I work in technology, but I'm an ocean lover. And I at first um, try of it, I was like, oh, you know, alarms going off while you're underwater. Like this is the one place where I can finally get free of all of those notifications and alarms and things. Um, but when I tried it, I just went, oh, like this is how you do it because it's in a way that is, it's not um, annoying. It doesn't interfere with the surrounding. And that's what sort of made me most impressed by it where I was just like, oh, you've really thought about, like deeply thought about how intrusive you you want these mm. alarms to be and how unintrusive you've made them. So mm. I cool. 
I totally get where you're coming from because it's exactly the experience that I wanted. But I think what 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 we've done at Dive Bud is like find a really nice balance there. So it's it is back to nature, but it's just safely and with a little bit of performance for you. Great news, guys. Adam Stern has made his freedivingfamily.com courses available at a discount for the new Spiro community. If you get on freedivingfamily.com, use the code Spiro, you'll get 20% off any course. There's a bunch of sick courses on there. There's an equalizing uh, stage one. There's an equalizing advanced techniques um, video there. They're two of my absolute favorites. If you have any problems with equalizing, go to freedivingfamily.com. Get Adam's course and use the code Spiro to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when, when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. Cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10% on any order. Check it out. Aqualite, made in Western Australia. In the world of freedive spearfishing, there's no magic breathing technique that's all of a sudden going to get you down and shoot massive fish at depth and holding big bottom times. But there is a way to do it safer and smarter, take down more fuel to maximize the time that you have there. Learn at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted with Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving. If you take down more fuel, you can stay for longer. Learn how to do it free at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Yeah, cool. I'm imagining it's pretty customizable too, like in terms of the alerts. Have you have you preloaded in like um, sort of set profiles? So like you know, like a spearfishing profile. So you've got guys that don't want a lot of alarms, but they want the critical ones, and they don't want anything else. Have you preloaded some of these in there? Is it as simple as okay? So yeah, when you get the device, it's like the, there's no alarm set, so it's up to you. You can set as many as you want. There are time-based, there are like depth-based, obviously, like you can get alarms at certain ascending depths. For example, like most of the spears like might uh, want to actually relax at the last five meters because it's a critical moment like of the dive. And um, yeah, you can set the alarm for like ascending five meters so that you just relax and the buoyancy will take you up. Mm. I can share a few like personal stories if you like uh, about... Well, that that relate to our conversation about safety and stuff, right? Perfect. So, first of all, like I blacked out once in the ocean, right? It was just once in my life, and you're right. I was about two years into free diving, so I was just finished either two or either three. I didn't do either four yet, and so I just like, and that was a story. I just got caught by the. So I went all the way to like say 31 meter that was the depth set on the uh, the bottom plate. And then I just saw bottom. I got attracted by it. And I was like, oh, maybe I, so I turned and then I was like, oh, maybe I need to, to go and touch the bottom. And so because of the vision is slightly distracted. So I thought it's closer, but it was a bit further. So on my way up, I, I got, yeah, I got a blackout. And so there was, 
pretty bad and I wish like I didn't turn. It wouldn't like even dive bad was with me, I probably would still, you know, could be got caught in this into this situation. Mm. And another story I had is like when I went to Sydney, there's a, this place called Magic Point. It's a cave with the uh, and sometimes there's there are sharks there. So I went to see sharks and they were there and it was just so beautiful. I stayed just with the camera trying to capture that moment. And I really like didn't notice how time passed. I looked at my watch and I was like two minutes in. Wow. And two minutes is like my maximum time. And and I still needed to go up like 15 meters. Mm. And yeah, I kind of freaked out that at that time. Yeah. I, I didn't block black out anything, but it was fine. But um yeah, this like I just got caught in this beauty of this moment of this cave. And I wish I had this like non-intrusive beep that says, Hey, it's time to come back, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've, so. I've heard similar stories to both of those in the spearfishing context too. Like guys diving down to, you know, maybe they're spending a minute at say 70 feet or something. Like just for example, and then they're coming back up and then another good fish swims in from the side and then they turn and try to head back down and hunt it again. And it's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? It's like when you're free diving, you've got your bottom and once you're on your way back up, I'm sorry, you're on your way back up. You can pause, but you can't really turn again because it's just, it's too much energy consumption, too much oxygen use and, um, and you haven't trained for it either. So there's no adaptation to it. It's uh, very unwise, I think. So that was cool. Yeah. And getting lost in the moment, you know, like there are certain species that we hunt like, uh, you know, the green jobfish are, are one for me. Like I have yet to shoot like a really, really good one, but there are fish that will hang just out of range and you'll throw sand and we call it like the dance. It's like this battle of wits and they're always, you know, like a, a canny fish unless, you know, you use charm or burly. But um, you can just spend too much time there enjoying the moment and really, even if you don't get the fish, the, the battle is really a cool special part of spearing. But you can find yourself down there doing exactly the same sort of thing, staying longer than, you know, you, it's really wise to, unless, you know, even if you've got good safety, I think it's still unwise. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Landell, just to return to you. So you... I'm imagining someone, you know, you got the concierge service to dive, but I'm imagining they they unwrapped it for you and it had a ribbon and the guys just walked you through <laughs> how to program everything in and you were just, it was just like a dream. Um, tell me if that experience is had by the average sort of Joe that's opening it for the first time. Is it is it a fairly easy to use thing as a, and I know you have a level of bias because you're part of the, the team, but um, but but talk to me as a as a, as a bit of a cabbage sort of guy, what the experience would be like if I opened it up? Am I going to be able to program it in? Uh, I can tell you, the guys are pretty passionate about having something beautiful that you can open. Okay. So David's David David's background is iOS development as well, so he he can spend hours really um, in debates about how. Technology needs to be beautiful and not just functional. He's so, a Steve Jobs you know, fan. He really is. He was going to like the WWDC conferences yeah. 10 years ago as, you know, a really um, top-notch developer. So, no, it's beautiful. It's, it's, 
it looks amazing and yeah like even you know uh, I'm I'm just an ocean lover I I, want to be mermaid type of person and you know what I'm wearing in (laughs) the um surf kind of matters yeah you don't want this ugly thing that sits on your mask that is just speaking at you and ugly so it had to be pretty I'm probably a little bit the opposite. I'm like 100% a form, a function over form kind of guy. I really like rugged, robust stuff. Like I, I, I'm that guy that's down the boat ramp with a pair of Crocs on, like uh, drinking a, like a just a commercial beer with it with my guts hanging out. I'm, I'm that kind of guy. So talk to me. Like how how simple is it to program in like a couple of basic alarms? Oh my god, I love that so much. I I loved your episode, by the way, where you were doing where you did the the weekend away, and oh, yeah. and I think it was one of the guys talking about you know you can just hear the sound of cans opening in the background, <laughs> and it just created a picture in my mind. I'm like North Shudbury, like a, it's a Forex can for yeah. sure. <laughs> I think we actually had some higher end stuff on board. We we're like 150 lashes and something right, really you know high end. Oh, fancy. <laughs> Um, no, it's pretty simple. So yeah. it's designed to be, you know, just just functional and simple. Um, you've got an app that pairs with the device. Okay. The device is like a small round, um, you know, small computer that kind of tucks in behind your ear. So it had to be form-fitted and, and designed well because it's designed to like tuck into your, um, into your hood. So you want it to stay there, but you also want it to be really comfortable as well. Okay. Um, even when it's kind of tied against you. So as simple and as functional as it is, it it had to be really um, like designed well as well. And the Crocs thing, I mean, yeah. Not only are they Crocs, they're they're (laughs) camouflage Crocs. So like I make jokes with my kids. I'm like, kids, you're going to have to like um, warn people that I'm coming around the corner because they're not going to see me. I've got my camo Crocs on, you know. Well, I I hate to break it to you, but um, crops are like the new hot girl shoe. <laughs> oh, really? So they, they, yeah. they're becoming chic? Oh, this is terrible. They're becoming chic, yes, with like the the, the hot beach mum's crew Mwah. at my, Maroubra. My, my wife <laughs> pitched the idea to me of doing like a custom Noob Spiro croc. Anyway, I'll have to maybe pick your guy's brain about some product design for that, but... Um, we're 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 in discussions about about going for it because I, I think they're really cool. But um, okay, so it fits behind your ear. What if I've got like a GoPro on with a head mount strap? Is that going to interfere anyway? Um, is it does it work well with all masks, all mask straps? Um, yeah. So like, um, the app uses physical mapping. Like we use this principle of like physical mapping between the world and the app, right? So when you see your alarms, you kind of envision, okay, here's I'm at 25 and your alarm will beep and then you go to 30 and then this is your like notification about this diff and then like this is the... So we we kind of use that principle. You can kind of can see the dive profile inside the app, right? Okay. So like it's, it's pretty easy to like remember and like visualize, okay, here I am, my last five five meters of the dive. Okay, it beeps and that beeps, how it beeps, and all of this. Yeah, and then uh, as for the straps, you can you can just put it to the hood, like any side you want around your neck. That that works too. 
it has like this lace, right? That you just uh, use for that. And then, yeah, you can use it on like on a strap of the mask on any side as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Sounds awesome. What about um, in terms of like history? Like, does it keep a good log? Are you able to go in and run decent analysis on your dives and stuff from the app? Or do you more download like a spreadsheet of data and have to populate that somewhere else? Or yeah, Absolutely, yeah. So uh, one of our first uh, users was Luke who participated in competition in Sinotas uh, in Mexico. And so we could see from the dive log uh, how many strokes he did. We could like analyze, okay, you did so many strokes, like 28, I think it was, and it was like wow. too much. Um, yeah, so the advice was like maybe glide a little bit more, especially in the middle of the dive and things like that. So, um, uh, and yeah, we keep all the logs. You can, your data belongs to you, so you can download it in the form of spreadsheet if you want to, like CSV. Or you can just get a big picture so you can share on media saying like, hey, you know, I did so well today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and that that is an appeal for some people, you know, like and 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 all fair play to people, you know, like you go and you do a course and you're really proud of what you've accomplished, you know, and and sometimes Absolutely. it does it does show in a number, you know. I, I'm I'm just not a fan of promoting it from my end because I sometimes that aspect of freediving, I feel like a lot of spiros feel pressured into like hunting deep and going long straight away, and I'm just kind of like more the opposite, like. Go for slow adaptation. The wisdom develops while you develop your diving, and then mm. um, and if you hang out with a cool bunch of older spiros, they 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 will tell you that anyway. But anyway, um, cool. Listening to our body versus listening to the dive bud. I've tripled my bottom time with the, my surface interval. The dive bud beeps, but I'm not actually fully recovered. Is this a potential recipe for disaster? Yeah, it is. So we, at the moment, we set up um, just the minimum IEDAS uh, recommended intervals. But what we're hearing from athletes and, and users of DiveBot, they say basically, we want to add extra time on top of that. Some of them are super conservative, like this uh, famous uh, famous guy in the US, Ted Hardy, he has a podcast as well. He said like, I want to add one minute on top of my interval at least, or maybe like even progressive, depending on how deep did I go. So like, yeah, we work on that as well. But you're right. Like you absolutely have to listen to your body, your body first. Yeah. So the beep could serve as a minimum. And then it's just like, you know, it's there, it's beeped. And then you're like, okay, cool. Now, any time from now, I know I've tripled it, but I'm still going to wait until I feel Reoxygenated, revitalized, relaxed, and ready to go on my next dive. Absolutely. Yeah. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel, Hands Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifitting Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Yeah, that possibly needs to come out, I guess, is in the form of, do you, do you guys do much education as part of, like, 
someone buying a dive butt? Is there any ongoing kind of process with that to help people become make better choices and and use the technology in the best way? I know, I know I'm probably adding like layers of responsibility to you. And you've already got enough <laughs> on making the product, but so, yeah. So uh, there's a couple of things that we do there, and, and Amber, um, in our conversation, she was even saying, you know, we want to want configurable um, surface intervals because sometimes if she's gone down 70 meters, she wants to wait 10 minutes before she dies again, not just um, triple. You know, that time. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we get we get that feedback and it's on product roadmap, which is great. Um, we have a model where we sell the dive pods directly through our website and there's videos and things that come along with that. But at the moment, you know, it's a pretty small community and, and Alexi seems to know most of the people that we end up being that end up being customers. So um, we just have a really tight relationship with them. At scale, we're actually talking to a couple of organizations. Um, in Taiwan and in, in Dubai where they run free diving schools and they become like an agent for us. So having exclusive rights in the region to sort of distribute or sell dive bud and then there's a level of service and education that comes along with that. So, okay. yeah, we've got plans around those sorts of things um, mm. and, you know, it's a constantly in development um, product well, as well. So. One more thing I would add is that app actually, after the diving, gives you the feedback on your intervals. So you can go and see like, oh, okay, so half of my dives, I didn't do a good surface interval. maybe, And we give you like exact calculations. Why do we think it's it's the case? And so maybe that will be a good feedback for you next time, like going a bit slower, yeah, having um, breathing more on the surface. If you wanted to get some professional tuition on your freediving, even maybe even your spearfishing, that could be a useful um, pool of data to draw on for someone yeah. to help coach you as well and give you some more specific advice. So I like that application as well. Um, I'll give you another devil's devil's advocate scenario. So um, I've been out on a uh, on a boat with these three guys I dive with pretty regularly, and one day we went out and I was. Like I was just diving phenomenally. Like I felt awesome. I was probably the best diver on the boat on that day. And I was just having a just a great old time. Like pushing out, you know, diving diving my limits. Like not, not you know, my, my absolute, you know, whatever. But like I was diving comfortably to, to good depths and, and spending a bit of time there. The next week I went out with the same guys on the same boat to the same spot. And I, for whatever reason, I just jumped in the water and I was – definitely the worst diver in the boat and what I was doing the week before I was just not in that place for whatever reason I don't I don't even know what it was um the the problem I've seen with dive watches is there can be this attitude like hey last week I was diving to 15 meters and doing a minute 15 you know this week I'm gonna do you know 15 meters and do a minute 15 again because that's what I do and that's who I am and that's my capability how do you um, like not allow the technology to propagate those kind of poor sort of self-beliefs. Again, probably giving you guys more responsibility than, you know, you, you, know, you deserve <laughs> having just invented a cool bit of technology. But, I mean, this is kind of my thought process. I, I totally know where you're coming from when I, I run 
um, the soft sand in at my local beach, and it's about a seven-kilometer round trip. And on some days, my Apple Watch is telling me I'm running, you know, five-minute kilometers, and I'm stoked with myself. And then other days, there's a headwind, and it turns into seven-minute kilometers. <laughs> but you can't tell your Apple Watch that there was a headwind. Yeah. There's like no button to say, but but it was the condition. Mm. That's just sport, isn't it? Like you have your you have your good days, you have your bad days, and sometimes it's good to look at like what was going on on the day. But sometimes you've got to know, ah, oh, just let that one go. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I agree. Like the, the days when you the day before opened too many of those cans that we were talking about, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't work that way so in, anymore. So. But if you're diving off the board, like I guess there's still, there's still an option to come back, grab your app, and adjust adjust your numbers. Um, being if you want to be very responsible, right? Um, but otherwise, yeah, diving by the by, by the field. That's yeah, that's what we do. And I agree. I've been in those situations for sure. Like, and sometimes I've been once in Nosopinida, those like downstream current. Which I never experienced before, and on no fins dive, I got stuck. Like you, it's like last ten meters, but you, yeah. you 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 stroke and nothing happens. You stroke and you can see that the, you don't move. Mm. Like what do you do, right? Like mm. yeah, so you grab the rope and yeah, you yeah. just if there's move. a rope. But with spearfishing, there's a rope. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> one. And um, and some spears are a little bit overweighted too, which makes it even worse. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, Nah, it's good. There's so much to learn about mitigating risk. And I think, you know, when you introduce a new technology, there is a little bit of, like in the spearfishing world, there are a huge group of um, divers that are very against new innovation, largely because they've seen innovation be unrolled in the past and it's been used incorrectly and cost people their lives. And so this is why I like to ask a lot of devil's advocates questions because i know that there are large parts of my community that will also ask them and um mm. and it's good to think about it and 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 have those these big discussions but um it's cool so fundamentally what do you think makes dive bud different to what's already on the market have you got any competitors have you had any people starting to copy what you guys have done so that's a very good question uh there there are like two groups of people that use DiveBot so far and some, they just don't want any change. They say like, like we say, okay, maybe you want to have some voice in the water. Like that tells you similar to what Ruka did in the past. I don't know if you've heard about Ruka. No. But some people, the opposite, they say like, we need an MP3 MP player underwater. I want to listen to some, you know, Rachmaninoff of concert during <laughs> during my diving and um so yeah so we we're trying we will probably land somewhere in between we'll give uh maybe more flexibility uh to our divers and maybe add some voice yeah things like that maybe just miley cyrus on repeat <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe something like that yeah <laughs> but uh it's generally speaking right so the first viable diving computers appeared about 40 years ago, right? Like, And since then, the technology has changed a lot, right? Computers become smaller and smaller. And so now we can almost like 
make a computer or size of um let's say airport like mm. like that kind of size you put you put it it will not interfere with your dive like um with your uh, i mean won't won't affect your equalization but yeah something like that can can also be a possibility cool so have you is it, what what was this wuka you talked about is that a previous sort of antecedent or uh it's called wuka r o o k a it's a polish product uh they went on the market even sponsoring some vertical blue competitions in the past but then for some reason they disappeared uh, they were pretty expensive mm. and um the problem with Rook, I think, was that uh, you need to be sort of like almost a software developer to program it. You know, like you need to create like if if statements, like if that, then yeah, that, yeah. you know, if and, you know, all of this stuff. So um, that's why we spend so much time like thinking about how can we make this easier, right? Like how can we make it so that Joe <laughs> can set it up easily? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, Thanks for that. I'll be Joe. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I think what we're going to see is like more uh, move towards like simplicity yet um, uh, functionality. Yeah. Did you know when coming up from a spearfishing dive, it's possible that you would feel 100% fine right until the moment you blacked out? Did you know being dehydrated or hungover increases your risk of having a blackout? Did you know I have never seen a person hit the surface and yell, Tad, help, I'm about to black out, come save me. No, they typically hit the surface, take a couple breaths, and then quietly sink into the abyss. Whether they live or die is 100% dependent on if you are close enough to grab them and take care of the situation. Did you know it's very easy to have a loss of motor control or a minor blackout and not even know that you had one? Did you know that if you have a loss of motor control or blackout and you continue diving that day, you are way more likely to have a much worse blackout? Did you know breathing across the eyes of a blackout diver can help initiate a breathing response? That was 60 seconds with me. What else don't you know? My name is Ted Hardy, the founder of Immersion Freediving, and I want to do more to stop the needless fatalities from shallow water blackout than any other person on the planet. And that's why I created freedivingsafety.com. Lucky for you, I made it very easy to get up to speed. You can learn how to reduce your risk of having a blackout, how to save your buddy's life, how to tell if you're wearing too much weight, and avoid breathing techniques that drastically increase your risk of having a blackout, and it's all for free. Go to freedivingsafety.com and sign up for my free safety course. Dive safe out there. It's not even that hard, especially when you learn for free at freedivingsafety.com. I know with myself with my own sort of plays around with um, developing products you it, it's hard to become sort of satisfied with the version that is currently on the market now um, absolutely <laughs> and you're always wanting to make improvements and go oh we should have done this and hindsight's always 2020 you know um, having mm. said that are you guys like pretty stoked with what you've got what you've got up there now and what's the sort of plans on the next version and things like that so we we are pretty settled on this version and it's, it's already pretty good it's a it's a great product everyone who tried it loves it um so we will start by basically working with this version for now and then yeah we'll see like we always hear like a lot of feedback for the dive button and trying to collect it and then once we get the critical mass of the feedback, we'll probably implement the next version. Perfect. 
That's cool. Yeah. And that's a, I like that answer too because at some point you've just got to settle on the hardware with what you've got. And then, I mean, software patches and, uh, and upgrading um, system from that point of view, it's not such a big deal, although I know that there's it's not necessarily super simple, but um, that's cool. So critical mass, what does that mean? Um, what does mass adoption look like in such a small niche? Yeah, so, you know, people have all possible crazy ideas, right? Like they come to you and say, hey, you know, I need this thing to be a torch as well, you know? <laughs> You know, I mean, like, oh, there are like very niche divers who go like with rib rivers, right? They spend a lot of time and say at safety stops. Like, there's a, I've heard some stories like people would watch Netflix being underwater, you know, so they would, so those kind of people want to have, listen to some audiobooks, like, and they say, hey, you need to bring audiobooks to, to the underwater world. I'm like, guys, you know, like, Thank you for your feedback. We're always uh, listening, but like critical mass means it's not like one or two guys that just like want it. Yeah, yeah. But more like, you know, half of the users, something like that, 30%. Yeah. Then we we see like, yeah, this is something that criti- critical and needs to be developed. Yeah. A lot of problem with technology, you get bloat too. Like you get too many people trying to do too many features and you're better off just sticking to what the product is for, what the problem is that you're solving. And that's a hard mm. one, but um, cool. Right. How can people find out more about DiveBud? Um, you guys got a website, social media, videos. Tell me about it. Yep. Yep. So we're at divebud.com.au. Okay. And on Instagram at, um, at divebud underscore freediving. Okay, cool. All right, I'm going to link all that up in today's show notes. So, I mean, people go to noobspiro.com forward slash divebud, D-I-V-E-B-U-D. Super simple, and I'm going to link up all these guys, their website, their social medias and stuff, and uh, maybe even um, your contact form if you've got uh, some hands-on question. if people have one-on-one questions. Have you guys got a pretty robust FAQ that's starting to bloat on the website? Yeah, we have a manual that you download. It's uh, online, and there's like troubleshooting everything, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. And in terms of training videos, is it like um, what's the – how long does it, like, from the time someone buys it, it arrives in their hands, how long till you start to become to feel confident with using it? And, yeah, and what, what are there any common sort of teething issues with people that buy it? I think the only one that I, and sorry, Because the first time you dive with it, you've just you, it just takes some getting used to of where you set your alarms and cool. what one what what two beats means and what three beats means and things like that. So All yeah, right. it's just, like anything that's got a bit of a um, learning aspect to it. But it doesn't take too long. Cool, guys. I've had an absolute blast. Um, I had one final question though, um, Alexia. I think you can probably help me out with this. Is there a way I can wear the dive bud the night before? while I'm having aforementioned four X's and it gives me that, <laughs> that, hey, Shrek, you've had three cans, that's enough, go to bed. 
<laughs> you are too deep this into this is, table. Yeah, this is one of the applications we've heard from the divers, actually. Okay, I'll, I'll write this down. If, if there's more people, that probably will think about it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully with as classless taste in beer as me. So that'd be great. <laughs> awesome, guys. If you wear it around the neck, we can feel your breath, right? And oh, how wow. much alcohol is coming out. So, like, potentially it's possible. Like. Wow. We didn't even get in on the, all the technical specs. Um, I think we've given enough people, like enough info for people to maybe be curious, come have a look and uh, learn a bit more. But absolute pleasure, guys. Really interesting conversation. Keep doing what you're doing. I love seeing new technology solving, you know, age-old problems and uh, making this thing better for us all. So awesome. Thanks, Shrek. Thanks yeah, so it's much, been Thanks for pleasure. having us. Cool, guys. Um, over and out, I think. Did, did, did we fail to do anything? You, you... No, I was waiting for Alexi to talk about the gold, though. The gold? Yeah, the, the gold, so that it doesn't corrode. I was like, oh, oh I mentioned the gold. Yeah. Just a, like small technical <laughs> details. Oh, oh sorry, guys. Well, let's just add it on. We'll just go. We'll just keep going. <laughs> All right. Um, it's, it's about reliability. So the question is, like, how reliable that part is. So the first first few we sold like turned out they had some issues with like uh, um the contacts where you charge them right okay so after salt water they corrode a bit and then you like electrical current flows through them and so that salt sort of becomes bigger and bigger with time and so we had to change slightly the design and like basically order new the new um bodies that are golden so wow. like yeah so gold doesn't interact with the salt water as much and so yeah it solved the problem but basically like reliability is a big aspect for us right so we test everything we have a, like a special stand in a david's garage like that can um take we'll call that, that we'll call that david's laboratory it sounds more like professional yeah <laughs> you can take a dive but to like 300 meters like yeah. literally 300 meters yeah and so like we had the log of like dive bud diving to three to hundred meters and wow. back you know and we posted it to to the website as well like so yeah we take it seriously like reliability is a serious question so like uh i've been i i've seen how like say someone to test their watches and stuff so we're trying to replicate parts of it yeah yeah nice oh, is there a warranty with it like Thomas. Yeah, absolutely. So six months, like if something happens, like we can give you a new one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Did you try sacrificial anodes? What's that? So like in a um, in an outboard engine and on a lot of boats, they will have these parts that are designed to attract the corrosive elements of being in salt water, particularly when they're um, when you add electricity. And so mm-hmm. in an in an outboard engine, you'll find like. I think there's three or four, and look, please, I'm pretty ignorant with this stuff. I'm just I'm spouting off BS as usual. But they basically the the corrosion is attracted to those, and they wear, and all the corrosion goes to your sacrificial anodes, and then you simply have to replace them every six or twelve months. Oh, I see. Wow, that's an interesting idea. Mm-mm. Thanks for sharing it. <laughs> <laughs> You're two years like, too late, Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, now gold that's... sounds good as long as it's just you know. Like, um, yeah. I mean, if it's doing the job and it's and it's fairly cost effective, then why not? Yeah, it is. Awesome. So I'm glad so we, we start ran. joking that new dive parts are golden, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I reckon you should just make that your quote. That would be great. <laughs>
Hey guys, I'm running a wee bit behind schedule these days. Um, my wife's coming up due uh, in May to have our fourth boy, t- uh, and uh, we're super excited. But it is, has been a busy old time, so the old podcast schedule has uh, blown out a wee bit. So apologies for that. Um, next week, or probably probably the week after, if I'm honest, um, it's a Stradbroke weekend spearfishing course. This is the second course I ran. It's a short and sweet interview, probably only about half an hour or 40 minutes. Uh, really good, lively chat, though. Talking with the eight legends we took over on our second ever course, Karen and I, and uh, they had a blast. Had a couple, we had an 11-year-old girl and a 12-year-old, my, one of my 12-year-old boys, and uh, so ooh, it was fun. And uh, we again, we had pretty good weather and uh, everyone learned a heap, so tune in next week. Also, as usual, there's a bunch of Patreon legends um, supporting, powering this podcast on an episode-by-episode basis. Uh, I was out with two brothers on the weekend. They took me spare and they've both been patrons for a long time. Guys like them, uh, with the investment they make, keep this show on the road. They keep fueling the outboard. Much appreciated. And if you are a patron already, there's never any obligation to stay on there. Whatever you can give and however you want to do it, please, by all, by all means, do it. There's three different levels you can support at, $2 an episode, $5 an episode, or $10 an episode, and it all goes a very long way. All good, guys. Uh, tune in next week. Stradbroke Weekend Spearing Course, number two. Thanks for listening. Killfish with precision and power, sending shafts from a stable platform with Killshot spear guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American-made, dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any Killshot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. It says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com, based in the Florida Keys. Today's episode was an absolute banger, and so is our major sponsor, Adreno. Visit them at adreno.com.au. They have a huge range of equipment. You can find it at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear at checkout. When you shop online, you can save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can even use that code in-store at some of their huge mega stores Australia-wide. Price be guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear. The NoobSpear podcast is incredibly proud to be partnering with Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. It's the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Neptonics is also the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing gear, particularly in the US. They've got free shipping on all orders over $99 in the US. Furthermore, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off on your entire shopping basket at Neptonics.com. Use the code NOOBSPIRIT at Neptonics.com. Neptonics.com.